He came with the name Cincinnati A kid with no A's in the hole On a hot, poke of hot Cincinnati Had staked his heart and soul Welcome back, amigos and amigas, to episode 27 of the Banish to the Pen podcast, the audio component of the website Banish to the Pen, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the Baron of All Baseball podcasts. This week, I am excited to be joined by two members of the Banish to the Pen crew, returning member Eric Roseberry and the debut appearance of Barry Gilpin. Guys, say hello to the internet. Hello, internet. <laughs> How's it going? Nothing nothing better, guys. It's good to hear from you guys. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you guys both on this week. Uh, Barry, I'm glad to ma- be making your acquaintance. And uh, Eric, it's once again nice to talk to you. And uh, maybe we'll get a little wrestling talk in here somewhere in this uh, hour of uh, this podcast. So... Barry, introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, and Eric, kind of the same as well. Oh, well, it's not really all that. I drive a forklift. <laughs> it's not really all that interesting. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit older probably than a lot of the people that have been on the podcast. I've been a Reds fan since 1987, um, so I actually do remember 1990, which is great because that's all we have, really. And... I like heavy metal. <laughs> That's about the only other interesting thing about me, quite frankly. And were I'm a you boring guy? And were you named after Barry Larkin? I was not. I was born in '78, <laughs> so no. Just took a shot. So, uh, <laughs> Eric, uh, same question. Kind of remind everybody who you are in the audience. Yeah. Um, no, I uh, live in uh, Indiana. Reds fan. Uh, like Barry. Um, yeah, like most people on the podcast, right? Banished to the pen, and uh, I'm actually have been off from work all summer, so that's been nice. So I'm uh, sitting here with a a bush light and an ice cream sandwich, and watching the uh, Cardinals and Mets just went to the 15th inning. So we'll see what happens. I think the ice cream sandwich is the most underrated <laughs> of the desserts. It is. It always hits. Now you got to have more than one, but the ice cream sandwich is very strong. It helps having kids. Kids, I can sneak a lot of stuff in the house on the uh, the premise that it's for them, and then I can load up on it. So there's some advantages to to multiple children. So, and, and for those that may remember uh, an earlier podcast, Eric is our uh, former pro wrestler, very former. So sold the boots. I know Ryan and I will be watching tonight, but I actually started. I picked up jujitsu. It's way easier on my body. Um, I don't get to wear spandex anymore. Well, that's but a shame. Other than that, I, I miss it. it. I still got them in the drawer. Maybe we'll throw a picture up on the website at some point. <laughs> wow. Not that anybody would want to see that. There's a promise. There's a promise. <laughs> First place I want to start this week is uh, we're just coming off the All-Star game. It was, uh, I guess, a few days ago, depending on when everybody's downloading this. And um, the All-Star Game festivities. Obviously, we start with the Futures Game Sunday, then we have the Home Run Derby on Monday, and then obviously the game and the festivities on Tuesday. Uh, I don't know where we want to start. Maybe we'll start in alphabetical order and go with Barry. Uh, I, I want to just kind of start and give you the floor and your thoughts um, on the All-Star Game and, and the festivities. Well, it's um, not been a very good year in Cincinnati, so it was good that we had things went really well. The weather was 
threatening the whole time, but it stayed away. And we had our little Todd Frazier moment in the Derby, and the Derby was great this year with the new format, and I hope they keep it that way. And then Chapman got to pitch in the game and dominated, and the fans went home happy, and there's not been a lot of happy fans in Cincinnati this year, so I think it went about as good as it could go. Uh, Eric, same question kind of to you. Yeah, I mean, same thing. I think the Derby was definitely the highlight. Um, I was actually watching it with uh, family, and what I noticed with the new format was uh, in-laws, wife, uh, even my kids who really haven't gotten into baseball yet, um, they were they won't sit down and watch a game with me, but they they were hooked by the new format, um, hooked by the energy for, for Todd Frazier and the crowd. So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely an exciting time for everyone, exciting to watch, uh, glad Todd won it. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I mean, the game was okay as an NL fan, you're used to losing, so nothing different there. And, um, yeah, I thought it was great showcase for all the young players, uh, from everything I've heard, Cincinnati was a great host city. Uh, seems like it was a, a really good weekend for, for MLB. Yeah. I thought the, uh, the home run derby was really, I don't want to say benefited, but it was much better this year with the kind of the head to head format and speeding it up if that makes it, it makes sense or just the rhythm and the flow of it was much quicker this year. I thought. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, the, in the past, I remember watching and it just drags on and you get three hours into it and um, it was just tough to stick with, but yeah, the, the bracket and the timer, uh, it really made it enjoyable to watch all the way through. And, and did either of you guys watch the futures game? I did. I did not. Uh, Barry, any thoughts on the futures game? Um, well, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't really a very good game. <laughs> um, and that was kind but, of surprising. Yeah, that's a great call. Normally you see those are more of a pitching exhibition and I think the final was 10 to one or something this year. I believe it was. Yes. But, uh, I was, I, I thought the game was interesting to a certain degree. We got to see some hitters that we've been more or less hearing about Marzara or however you pronounce it for uh, the Texas Rangers. And we got to see, uh, Devers for the Red Sox. Uh, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was nice to see some of the prospects, you know, just kind of on the on the cusp, so to speak, of making it to the majors. I wish they would put it in prime time. It's probably my biggest complaint of the entire All-Star Game festivities. Uh, just wish they would put that on at 8 o'clock on Sunday night and really highlight the future of the major leagues. But um, Which maybe leads into my next question. What would you guys do to make the All-Star Game or the, uh, you know, the entire week better? Let's start with uh, let's start with Eric this time. I started with Barry the first time. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the biggest thing might be, I mean, I don't know how much you can change, but if you could get it to the point where the stars are really playing the bulk of the game, um, I mean, I think even for non-baseball fans, that might be the most exciting thing, that if you've got your 8 to 10, 12 guys who are clearly the best position players in the game, let them play the bulk of the game. Let people see the stars that baseball has. Um, get get away from this. Everybody needs to get in. Everybody needs to play a couple of innings. I know a few players played, uh, you know, like Trout played a little bit longer than you would expect this year, but um, if it really does count and they're really selling that, let the best guys play as long as they can, as long as they uh, want to, um, and really let people see a showcase of MLB's best players. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I also would build on I I think it'd be nice if they let the hometown players play a little bit longer as well, if, as long as they are, as you say. Sure. You know, Frazier should play as long as he can kind of a thing, you know, just for instance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, your thoughts, Barry? Well, you know, I agree with um, leaving the uh, 
dies in longer. You know, if you go back to like the seventies and like watch an All Star game on YouTube or something, you know, Bench, Aaron, Jackson, those guys played. You know, to like the whole game pretty much. The big, the biggest stars played the entire game, and if the game counts and it's supposed to count then they should be trying to win the game. You shouldn't be pinch-hitting Mike Moustakis in the ninth inning against Aroldis Chapman. That's kind of ridiculous. You know, lefty has no chance, really, against Chapman at that point. And um, as far as the Futures game goes, it really should be Sunday night. You know, if it's going to be a showcase for the younger players, then really make it a showcase. Because right now they have it while there's other games going on, and I don't really feel like it gets really any attention at all. I mean, the the crowd looked like on TV it was only about half full. I actually thought about going to the game myself, but I didn't make it. So that would be something that would uh, boost interest in the Futures game because I don't think a lot of casual fans even know there is a Futures game. So and I agree that would be one thing to do. And maybe even they have to put it on if they keep it on MLB Network or they have to put it on ESPN two rather than competing with or going against Sunday Night Baseball or replacing it. I still think it would be much better off if they could put it in prime time. Because like you say, so many teams are playing at that time that their fans are focusing on their own game. You're not capitalizing or maximizing your audience. And, th- and that's really a shame. Yeah. So what would you guys do to improve the All-Star game itself? Or do you think we're just kind of where we're at? Where we're at? Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I think we've got what we've got. Um, I can't... Yeah, I don't have any good ideas. Barry, you got anything? Um, well, I mean, I guess you really don't need 83 All-Stars or however many it was, <laughs> but... Good point. Yeah, other than that, not really anything. Uh, maybe It's this, a baseball game, you know? Maybe this is the East Coast person in me of the group, but I'd like them to actually start the game at 8 o'clock. They said they were going to start it at, you know, I mean, the coverage came out at 7 o'clock in my area. And the first pitch didn't th- get thrown until, what, 8.35, 8.40? I mean, yeah. it, it's absurd. I mean, we don't need all the hubbub and all the nonsense. Start the game at 8, maybe even 8.15. But the 8.40 start time, you know, you're starting to bump up to midnight in the East Coast. And uh, like I said, I'm not trying to take, you know, I know there's a whole three-quarters of the rest of the, un- or the uh, United States to worry about as well. But it would be nice if we could get uh, a little closer to 11 o'clock finish. No, I mean that's that would be perfect, and and honestly, like I have a seven year old and a six year old. Like I said, they're not super into baseball yet, but even if they wanted to see that game, they're in bed before the first pitch is thrown. And I mean, you could say the same thing about World Series games and playoff games. Um, but you know, pretty much the whole span of their life, a, a special baseball event like that, they're missing almost all of it, if not the whole thing, because yeah, it starts too late on the East Coast. Yeah. Barry, any final thoughts? I think we've kind of beaten this topic, but anything else? Um, as, as somebody who goes to work at 11 p.m., I totally would have no problem with starting the All-Star game or any <laughs> of these events earlier. Because okay. I always get I always get to miss the end. I was lucky that the Home Run Derby ended at 1035 because I leave at 1040. <laughs> so that worked out great. Uh, I want to turn now, because you guys are both Cincinnati Red fans, and I think we've now reached the point with the franchise that I don't know, I hate the term tipping point, but I think that they've reached this. I think they tried to go all in in the offseason a little bit and try to see if they could compete. It doesn't look like it's working. Uh, Trade deadline's now 10 days to two weeks away, depending on when everybody's downloading. 
Uh, I don't know which one of you guys kind of wants to start. I'd love to hear just kind of both of your thoughts on where the Reds are 10 days away from the trade deadline. Have at it, Barry. Well, um, I wrote a piece for Banish to the Pen. It's called Rebuilding the Reds, cheap plug. And uh, in that one, I sort of advocate not doing the Astros, Cubs, burn it all down to the ground strategy, number one, because... Bob Castellini's a very competitive man, and I don't see him going for that. He's in his 70s. He doesn't want to tear it down, and you know he might be dead before they win again. You know he's he's an old man. I'm not trying to be morbid, but he wants to win. He's a very competitive man. So I feel like they're going to trade Cueto. They're going to trade Leak. They're probably going to trade Marlon Bird. Um, they might even trade Jay Bruce, although. He's not very expensive, and I don't – unless you get a really good return, I don't know that I would just do that just to do it. Um, they have a lot of young pitching. I think some of those guys have been a little rushed. Michael Lorenzen can't really miss bats, but he's got good – at this point, but he's got the stuff. Um, and I just – they need – you know, you, you can get, you know – three or four really good pieces, there's really no reason why they can't start moving in the right direction as soon as next year. But it's going to take a good execution of the plan. And I'm not that sold on this front office being able to do that. But we'll see. Uh, Eric, kind of the same question before we start. Let's get the macro view from you before we start going micro. Yeah, I mean, I was. I think I've been in favor of the the burn it to the ground Astros Cubs type rebuild. Um, like Barry said, I don't think Bob Castellini is going to go for that, um, and I'm not sure Walt Jockety's the GM to pull that off. Um, not that he couldn't. That just it doesn't seem to have been his mo. So, um, with how tough that division has gotten, the Cardinals are seemingly always going to be good. As much as I hate it, you got the Cubs who are good now. The Pirates are coming on really strong. Um, yeah, I don't see them being able to compete as constructed in the next few years. Not that there's not pieces there. There are. Um, but something something big is going to have to change for the Reds to be able to catch those other three teams. And so I'm in for any move they want to make, any trigger they want to pull. Um, you know, Obviously, as long as it's a good return, I'm all for it at this point. Okay, so Eric, you're more on the burn it to the ground, and it sounds like Barry's more in the sell but don't go all in camp if i'm hearing that correctly so yeah so uh maybe this question's better for barry but i want to ask you both why do the reds want to trade jay bruce i mean from from our perspective you know i'm a nats fan you know 500 miles away from cincinnati it seems like bruce is the kind of guy you want to keep he's a pretty good defender yeah he doesn't hit for the average that you want you know he's got some power pretty good defender like i said cheap under contract for three years i believe why do you want to move him yeah i'm not really sure um you know two to three war corner outfielders just don't grow on trees as reds fans all well know from their absolute inability to have a left fielder worth a crap since 20 well 2009 really maybe even earlier um so i i'm not sure what they're thinking there um i know the last uh, I think Rosenthal reported it's like 50-50 that he's going to get moved. I'm a big Jay Bruce fan. I have a Jay Bruce jersey in my closet. So 
it'll be kind of bittersweet for for me, but I'm all about the return. If the return's good, you know, go for it. Well, and let me ask you both, is it fair to say, and once again, this is my perspective as a Nats fan from far away, is it fair to say that Bruce has not lived up to the hype, but that he's settled in probably better than people realize at the same time? Yeah, I mean, he last year he had injury stuff that I think kind of screwed up his season. He was really um, way below expectations last year. I mean, this year he's got, actually looking at it now, the second highest OPS plus of his career so far. Um, you know, offensively, he's starting to turn it on a little bit. Uh, to me, I think the biggest, the big reason you move Bruce is uh, some of the pieces you'd probably like to move. Uh, you've invested a lot of money in, and it's going to be tough for teams to take them. And Bruce, you've got a quality piece under control, not overpriced, um, and he may be one of your best options in terms of who you might be able to get some kind of a return for. Well, then, who would fill his spot? Is it is it Winkler Winker? I'll, I'll never get the last name right, but he's a left fielder, right? He yeah. is. And if Bird's gone, which I think most Reds fans assume he will be, that that Winker's probably the guy that could slide in there. Okay, now, now probably me... Jorman Rodriguez for right, Winker for left is probably where they profile, but that don't mean that's where they'll play him. That's a good so. And I'll throw this out there. So within the last couple of days, John Fay, who writes for a Cincinnati Inquirer. Talk to Castellini, talk to uh, Jockety, and basically what they've said is Castellini's okayed selling parts up to Frazier's not going anywhere and Hamilton's not going anywhere. And outside of those two, they'll listen to offers on anybody. Well, and I'm surprised they wouldn't listen on Hamilton, frankly, But at that point. but Yeah. So, so let's uh, – and the other name I want to ask about before we start getting into the more obvious names is Aroldis Chapman. Uh, I wrote a piece on my site, NatsGM.com, very cheap plug, uh, this week, kind of trying to get a feel for what a trap, uh, Chapman trade would look like. Um, once again, I just want to ask you guys, do you think he gets moved? Go ahead, Eric. I, to me, I would hope so. Uh, part of that being, I don't think in the next couple of years the Reds are going to be Ready and in terms of a, a dominant closer like that, it's a luxury. I'm sure there are competing teams this year that would love to add and roll to Chapman. Um, I mean, that was an all-star game moment we didn't really talk about, but Chapman gets uh, you know out pitching there, and you saw the American League, you know, basically lining the dugout watching this guy being wowed by what he was throwing. Um, someone is going to give the Reds. I would have to think. Uh, probably more than that kind of piece deserves, but they would add a Chapman to the bullpen, like you said, the Nationals. Um, somebody who competes could really use an Aroldis Chapman closing out games. Um, and like I said, for the Reds, they don't really have the need for a dominant closer right now. Get what you can for them, as much as it might hurt in terms of fan interest or people. I know people don't go to the ballpark to see a closer. He's one of the few closers I've actually bought tickets. Part of the reason, hoping, I'm going to get to see Aroldis Chapman pitch tonight. Yeah, I mean, he's a real difference maker, and, and particularly, and I say that, you know, maybe there are 50 difference makers in the entire game of baseball right now, and he's somebody that you could add that, yeah, he'll be expensive, but if you could get him, wow, does that change the dynamic of the back of your bullpen? Barry, do you think he goes? Um, I don't think he goes. I think he probably should. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the I, the, I think the Reds are really worried about PR for some reason like the fans they ooh and awe when he comes in the game and 
I think they're really worried about having an empty stadium for the next couple of years, which is probably why they don't want to completely burn it down. But um, I did I did hear Ryan specifically that the Nats were interested in Chapman. Um, we'll, we'll probably take Giolito. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's some it's it's a prospect you don't want to give up or two probably two frankly that you don't want to part with to get that kind of an elite player. You know, I mean, I I said something along the lines of a Joe Ross and an Eric Fetty in my piece would be probably the minimum that it would take to get Cincinnati interested. And, you know, that's our first round pick last year and a major league ready number three, number four starter. And I'm not sure I mentioned Joe Ross in my piece, actually. So, well, there we go. Good minds think alike. So, but what so let me let's get back to if I can the. Let's talk about the three guys that are probably going, Cueto, Leak, and Bird. I think those guys are most likely going. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that 100% that those three guys go? Or am I a little over-exaggerating? Or? I would think so. You don't hear as much on Leak. I'm not sure there's the interest that there is in like Cueto, but, yeah, those would definitely be the three. And, and what do we think Cueto brings back? Maybe referencing your piece, Barry. What what do we think? What do you think on Cueto? Gosh, I don't. It's the longer they wait, the harder it is to to tell. But then we think it's going to be a big seller's market. So, I mean, a lot of people think a lot of Reds fans I talk to think we're going to get some kind of like Addison Russell for Jeff Samarja return, and I just don't see that happening at all. I think a lot of people might be disappointed in the return. Because you're, I mean, you're only paying for eleven starts, really, at that point, um, unless you get, you know, the seventy-two hour negotiating window thing that they sometimes do. I don't even know if that's even still a thing. But um, and Cueto had a poor outing today. I think we were talking about that off air, and you know, he's been a little nicked up. You know, he's been nicked up a little bit this season as well. So, yeah, I have a hard time believing they can get the Addison Russell type return. That said, I mean, it is going to take a very, I mean, I don't know what we're talking about, a top 50 prospect in baseball. I mean, maybe some team's not number one, but they're number two or three prospect. Probably in that range. Like, we're not getting, like, Corey Seager or anything like that. I mean, that's just ridiculous, but. But I think it's one of those things where you go to the Nationals and just use them as an example. Okay, Giolito's off the table and Lopez is off the table maybe, but we're getting your next guy or you're getting the next or the next guy. I mean, it's it is going to be an impact player if they're going to move him. Definitely. And kind of the same question. What do we what do you guys think about Marlon Bird and, and Mike Leake? What are the, what are they bringing back? I, uh, with those two, especially, at least you got the same problem Cueto does. Uh, like Barry said, you're getting him for 11 starts. He's going to be a free agent after this year. Um, I mean, he's had he's had good numbers. I don't, I don't think anyone would say he has dominant stuff, though. Um, and so I'm not expecting too much by way of a return for, for Mike Leake and Bird. You know, a team that uh, I haven't heard anything about the Royals connected to Bird or something like that. Just a team that needs a, maybe an outfielder, just a bat to, to plug the hole. Bird had a really rough start to the season. He's turned it on. He's one of the handful of Reds that's actually an above-average hitter at this point in the year. So, um, I mean, they could get something back, but I don't think anybody's going to be overwhelmed by what Leak and Quaid over in be- or Leak and Bird bring back. Barry, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't. I pretty much agree with Eric on that one. Um, 
I mean, Marlon Burr hasn't. I mean, he's thirty eight. What's he really going to bring you? I I really like Mike Leake. I always have. I mean, he's a he he's a good athlete. He can hit. He can run. He's a pretty good pitcher. Um, but I mean, he's like a he's like a number three or maybe even a number four on a good team. I don't really. I mean, teams aren't really going to pay a premium for a mid rotation guy in his walk year. But you might get a you know a B level prospect for him. But sometimes those guys turn into lottery tickets. You never know. But it's I mean I I could even I could even see them actually if they can't get a deal done for Leak actually giving him the qualifying offer and taking the pick. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's probably on the table. Do you think he would take the qualifying offer? I mean, he might take sixteen million bucks guaranteed. He might. I for one year especially. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to get like twenty or. I mean, definitely not. So although it now, might be smart for him to do that. Although now that you say that, he's still, I mean, he's still a young guy, so he doesn't need to really rush into. I mean, it's not like he's thirty-two. He's got if he wants to if he wants to test free agency in another year, that that'll probably be fine for him. But just I don't think, think that's going to happen. But but thinking out loud to the counterpoint, his numbers have got to be very comparable to Rick Porcello and his age. And that guy just got what eighty million dollars from the from the Red Sox, something like that, a couple of months ago. So. That's a cautionary tale at this point. <laughs> Very true. But it also maybe portends what the uh, pitching market's going to be in free agency nowadays with these teams that are a lot wealthier than they were four or five, six years ago. And the, we think the economy's getting better. I sure haven't seen it, but maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, final question I have for you guys on the Reds is what does the Reds 2016 team look like if they keep Bruce and they keep Chapman? Can this team compete, and what what does the rotation look like, and what do, kind of what's the offense look like? Yeah, I mean, I don't like like we've kind of been saying. I don't think there's going to be huge changes to the lineup. I think they feel like they've got a lot of good pieces in the offense. Uh, you know, over the past couple of months, um, Zach Cozart went down, and he was actually having a, a surprising offensive season, but. But part of the benefit of that is uh, we've been able to see Eugenio Suarez maybe a solution at shortstop. He's been hitting the ball well, playing well. Um, so uh, they may have gotten something out of the Alfredo Simone tra- trade to be excited about. But, um, you know, I don't think it's going to look too much different. I don't know how much different it can look with the money they've invested in uh, Brandon Phillips. With Joey Votto, the, the main part of that deal hasn't even kicked in yet. I was looking at it again today, and he'll start making, you know, $20 million a, a year uh, next season, and there's there's eight out of nine next seasons, they've got at least $20 million committed to Joey Votto, um, which for a team with the Reds' payroll, uh, it, it's a sizable chunk of money they've given him. Um, but yeah, if they keep around you know, Todd Frazier and Joey Votto and uh, Jay Bruce, if he ends up sticking around, I mean, there's a, a formidable middle part of an order for a couple of years, and yeah, the rotation would be the biggest thing that I'd be concerned about if you lose Cueto. Uh, Robert Stevenson um, is probably their best pitching prospect. I don't know if you'll see him next season, but he could plug a hole, and a lot of it might just depend on what they get back in, in some of these trades that they, they look to pull off in the next couple of weeks. Uh, fair to say they're looking for starting pitching in, in these deals? Is that? F- I, mean, I would think they'd have to be. Uh, I mean, it's after one and two, it's really a crapshoot with three through five right now. What does the rotation look like for 2016? 
kind of assuming Leek and Cueto aren't part of it? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> Barry, do you know? Well, I I think we might see Stevenson this year. Yeah. After after trades, I mean, he's already got moved to Triple A in the past couple of weeks. So, and they've shown a tendency to kind of rush their pitching prospects. Like like I said earlier, I don't think Lorenzen's really ready, and I don't know that Iglesias is ready. Those guys both have nasty stuff, and that's and then you get Homer Bailey probably June of next year. So you're does, looking so at, at that point. Like Barry, Steve, do you think does Bailey so, become the number one guy in the Reds rotation? I mean, by default, probably you're probably looking yeah. at Bailey, Disclafini, Stevenson, Lorenzen, Iglesias, but not all those guys are going to make it. I I think Lorenzen might be more of a bullpen guy, and maybe Iglesias as well. You really should probably try to at least get two arms in the upcoming uh, trading cycle. And maybe more than that, even. Um, well, so, Lorenzen was a two-way player in college, so he's still extremely raw on the mound and was drafted as such. So I, I'm not sure true. if he's a reliever or a starter long-term, but I mean, this guy's only been really full-time pitching for, I don't know, two years? I mean, it's not very much. He's a raw kid. I like his fastball, I mean, certainly, and he's got the potential. I'm a big fan of his, but, I mean, this is a guy that might take, you know, another year or two of development. They've certainly rushed him. Yeah, I mean, looking at it today, he's one of only him and Cueto are the two Reds pitchers, uh, depending on which metric you look at, that are above the average of starters right now. Uh, some of the advanced stats, like FIP, say uh, he's probably going to regress a little bit as the season goes on. But yeah, I think he's been what he's been able to provide for the Reds so far. I wasn't expecting, and yeah, long term, hopefully he'd be able to fill a rotation spot for a while. Okay, I've got one more final question for you guys, but uh, is there anything else you want to cover before I kind of throw out my last question? Either of you? Well, we, we haven't mentioned Devin Mezzarocco yet, so uh, get well, Devin. <laughs> and, and you say that, but it's exactly right. I mean, that's a nice, another nice piece that we haven't mentioned. We barely mentioned Votto until a minute ago as well. I mean, we go back to this offense could hit next year if they're right and healthy. Well, and you mentioned the left field hole, who plays if Bird's gone. I think the plan is to try and move him to the outfield. There's a, a good chance he could be the left fielder for the Resnick season. Really? Okay. That's where they're – minor league, that's what they've been doing in some of the starts with him, right, Barry? He started like three games in Louisville, and then his hip started acting up again. Maybe it have been two games. Um, I, I think the plan is to make sure he can't catch before they do that. But it's definitely plausible that could happen. Okay. Uh, so help me out, guys. My final question is: I, I want to get your prediction on who gets dealt, who gets dealt on the Reds, and I want a surprise: either who does or does not get dealt. And uh, maybe I'll start with Barry. Alphabetical one one more time. Okay. Um, I think Cueto's gone. I think Leak's gone. I think Bird's gone. I think Chapman's probably 50-50. Here's a surprise. If you can get Brandon Phillips to wave his 10-5 rides, I wouldn't, I mean, of course, he's he holds the cards there, but that wouldn't shock me entirely. Hmm. That's not a bad name either. Uh, He can still play some ball, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, Eric, same question. Yeah, I think Cueto's gone, Leach's gone. Um... Chapman, gone. Bird, gone. Uh, 
I know they're not going to do it. I would love for them to trade Todd Frazier this year. And for some of the reasons we mentioned, they're not doing to. Uh, he's older than you would think for how long he's been around. He's going to be over 30 by the time he becomes a free agent. They're already paying Joey Votto into his 40s. Do you really want another long contract extension with someone that age? So I know it's unlikely, but yeah, my surprise would be the trade Frazier, let's do the rebuild, and next year doesn't look as promising. Wow. That would stun that would really stun me if they traded Frazier. They're not going to, but that's my Although I'd be stunned if they traded Bruce too, and, and I think that could probably happen. So here's a uh well if you want to close Red's talk with this, maybe an homage to the play index type segment on Effectively Wild, but it wasn't really a play index. But looking at Billy Hamilton this year, I don't know if people realize how bad he's been offensively. Um whether you want to use OPS plus WRC plus um, on both of those, he's in like the fifties for that, which among like qualified guys, it's like fourth worst, third worst in the league. And then if you look at base running metrics, he has more than doubled. If you use like fan graphs, base running statistic, he's more than doubled the second place guy in terms of base running value. If that guy ever hit, it would be crazy. The kind of impact he would have for this team. Well, let me ask you guys both one last question then. Is Billy Hamilton going to learn to hit? <laughs> Go ahead and say no, Barry and Crushes. I think he's a pl- play a platoon player, honestly, moving forward. But platoon players who can steal bases and play plus plus defense—that's still that's still value. So, yeah, particularly the strong side of the platoon, absolutely. So yeah, things are pretty depressing in Cincinnati, Ryan. This has been fun. Yeah, I really actually. <laughs> do you guys want to say something uplifting to kind of end the Reds talk? I I feel like I like the Reds. I like their stadium. I like their fans. Uh, I, can we say something positive before we get out of here? The home run derby we wanted. That's ours. They can't take it away. <laughs> and the and the stadium did come off very well for the home for the All Star game. Looks great. So they do a really good job with those big event type things like I didn't go to the fan fest or anything, but I've been to Reds Fest several times and supposedly from what I heard from friends, the fan fest was just a really large version of Reds Fest. They do a really good job with that sort of thing. They they do really do have their crap together, you know, off the field marketing type things. So I think it came off well. I didn't hear anything bad and from anybody saying, Oh what all-Star game in Cincinnati was a bad idea. I think the city came off well and the franchise came off really well. And that's not a bad thing. And we always have Skyline Chili. Boo. Oh. I like Cincinnati Chili. I said it. I own it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the nastiest thing you'll ever eat. Oh, Sorry. my gosh. Hey, I'm a Hoosier just like you. I'm not even, you know. All right. So we found a little division in the Reds fandom. Okay, very nice. All right, guys. Um, if I can transition off the Reds, which is going to be tough. Uh, one last thing, one topic I want to discuss a little bit is Zach Greinke is. I don't know if he's getting the attention he deserves. I think maybe Sports Center will blow him up tonight, but uh, depending on when everybody's listening. But I think he's at what forty-three consecutive innings without giving up a run. Somebody help me if I'm off, but I'm in the ballpark you're in the area yeah um i think we all talk about kershaw and and we're we've spent you know a whole bunch of time talking about the trade deadline tonight i don't think we're spending enough time talking about 
what Zach Greinke is doing right now. I, I mean, this is absurd what he's doing. I mean, as everybody knows, I'm a Nationals fan. They played uh, or went against Greinke today, and it, it was almost unfair at times what he was doing to the lineup. I mean, the fastball slider is just absurd. I mean, who wants to gush about Greinke? Because it's just kind of crazy what he's doing right now. Well, I, I hope he gets the record. I, I'm a sucker for seeing records get broken. I love that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I, you know, go Grinky. I'm, I'm rooting for him. What and is, he's, the, what is he's the record? What is he now? What, what's the record? 59? Yeah. So he's, he's basically, we'll, we'll say conservatively, three starts away. That's doable for him, the way he's been going. Way doable. So, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, he's at 43 and two-thirds, and the record's 59. Mm. Yeah, that's two really good starts, or like you say, more likely three. That's that's definitely doable. And what he was doing today was just unfair. I mean, it was like I said, I've just you know you see pitchers in the zone, but he's really been in the zone now for about six weeks. And I, I don't think I mean he started the All Star game for goodness sake, and I don't think people are talking about how good he is. Yeah, it's I mean to kind of tie in with what we've been talking about. Um, you know, I've heard Buster only say in the last week or so that from everything he's hearing, the Dodgers are the team most in on Cueto. And you start talking about running a team out, especially in the postseason, Kershaw, Grinky, Cueto. That's um, game over. That's gonna, well, it's playoff Kershaw, though, so I don't know if we're buying into that with what he did in the All-Star game, but at least Grinky and Cueto. I mean, that's... Man, I don't buy the playoff I'm kidding. Kershaw. I don't buy into it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, in a five-game series, imagine the week the week starter you're going to have to face is Cueto in a National <laughs> League park in a non-hitter's bandbox. I mean, how good could Cueto be going all of a sudden and pitching in Los Angeles? That would be a tough threesome to have to face. Unbelievable, like you say. Or if they go Hamels, you know, going a little off script as well. They've been rumored to him as well. And I guess that makes sense with Granke having a free agent opt-out at the end of the season, they would try to replace Hamels with Granky or, you know, then just use the Cueto, obviously, just to have a great three there. Um, Ryan, let, let me ask you as a Nationals fan. So you have that option, Granky, Cueto, Kershaw, or the National Super Rotation? Which are you taking? Uh, I'm taking the Kershaw side of it. Okay. Um, and, and I do think that Cueto is the weakest link in that whatever, you know, the six that you want to use. But that said... He also has some extreme upside, and I think the difference between Kershaw and Greinke from particularly Greinke to Strasburg is, is pretty monumental, frankly. I'd feel a lot sure. more confident with Greinke on the mound than I would Strasburg in the playoffs. Scherzer and, and Kershaw, or however you want to match it up, okay, they're whoever gets the better end of the one-day one day kind of thing. But, you know, I'd like Zimmerman over Cueto, but I think in the end the, the sizable gap between – uh, Strasburg and Greinke would tip the scales for me. Are you ready for that to be our NLDS? It really could, right? That yeah. I, mean, so we, I mean, we could be trending right towards that, which <laughs> would be amazing. Because I guess St. Louis is going to run away with the, the Central, although, <sighs> I don't know, the Pirates are still there, the Cubs still have a run in them, but it looks like the Cardinals' year, at least in the Central. Yeah, it does, and that's terrible. Um, right. Speaking of which, they're uh, they're in the top of the 16th, Mets and Cardinals, so this thing is not wrapping up. Yeah, I think we might actually wrap up our podcast before <laughs> they wrap up their game. That's pretty awesome, actually. This has got to be weird baseball, even though it started at one, right? I mean, they're in like the five, five and a half hours, six hours of baseball. 
Yeah, it was nothing, nothing for a long time. Yeah, it's only still one one, but it's uh, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Like you said, Ryan, we do have wrestling to watch tonight, so that I might is, not get to see the end of this. That is very true. So, um, I don't. Anything else we need to cover on Granky? I th- I think if nothing else, I just think we wanted to spotlight him and mention how good he's been. Did you guys read the hand washing thing with him? No, I know he's got some real issues. So I think it was in Molly Knight's new book. Um, she mentioned, I think it was last season. There's a team meeting. Grinky stands up. Sirius doesn't crack a smile. They think he's going to like rally the troops for a game coming up. And his huge issue was, some of you guys aren't washing your hands after you get out of the bathroom. And I know it. And just meant it, straight-faced, no smile. That was the issue he had with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you have the story about him throwing the suitcase in the middle of the road, too, so he might be a little bit of a weird guy, but he can play it. <laughs> he definitely has some social anxiety disorder. I know, I know that. I think that's publicized. Um, that said, just on an odd subject, I had Brian Bannister on another podcast, the, the old Mets and uh, Kansas City Royal pitcher, and he said his favorite teammate of all time was Zach Greinke. Oh, there you go. And that threw me for a loop, and I asked him why, and he said he's one of the smartest people you'll ever be around, and you absolutely know where you stand with the guy at all times. And, and I thought that was just – it was a great, succinct answer. And, you know, Bannister played with a lot of guys. I mean, he played with, uh, you know, Ricky Henderson, for goodness sake, and he said the best, his favorite guy was Granky. So just interesting tidbit there. Yeah, I remember hearing that about the social anxiety stuff. Actually, I'm going back and listening to Up and In. I had never done that before. And so I just hit an episode where they're talking about that. And there was a lot of questions when he went to L.A. Is he going to be a good fit for there? And it doesn't seem like it's been much of a problem. Yeah, now he'll opt out, I guess, at the end of the season. And he's going to go make, wow, 25 oh, to $30 gosh. million a year. Yeah. I mean, Scherzer just went for $30 million. Some of it was prorated, sure. Yeah, Granke's going to make a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Dodgers have plenty of money. They'll probably just... <laughs> Resigning. Yeah, that may be tr- that's probably actually the truth. Is exactly right. He probably does go back there. And he probably should. I mean, what a good fit to be behind Kershaw as their number two. And like you say, they can pay him whatever he wants. And you got to think the way that team's built, they're going to win. They're going to win one of these years. And I kind of hope they do get Cueto because I want to see Cueto win a ring. I love that guy. He's the best Reds pitcher of my fandom, period. So, yeah. Yeah, he actually just, I guess after the game, I was kind of looking at Twitter. Somebody asked him if I didn't trade it, and he said, I haven't heard much about it. I hope it does happen. So it looks like he's ready to, to get out of that situation too. I didn't see that. That's interesting. So it may have been out of context, but, yeah, that's what came across Twitter. Let me uh, – I'm going to go off script, but we got a couple more minutes to go. I'd love uh, – and I'm putting you guys completely on the spot, but uh, how about one prediction for the trade deadline? And, you know, we've talked Cueto. We've talked, you know, the, the usual suspects I'm not really looking for. I'm looking for a surprise or somebody to make a prediction that's, that's uh, a little bold. I'll start if you guys want to have a little thinking time. I'll, I'll put my guts out there. That would be great. Um, I'm going to go in the theme of this podcast. I'm going to say that Aroldis Chapman does end up in Washington, D.C. I just I think it makes too much sense, and I think finally they just – they came in second in the negotiations a couple of years ago, four or five years ago now, actually. I think they get it done. I think Chapman goes to D.C. sometime late this week. 
I can see that. I'll also go a subtle one, uh, Samarja to Toronto. That's another prediction. But that's, you know, he's a usual suspect, so. Uh, I, I, will, I will go. Um, Cole Hamels ends up a Red Sox, and they get a wild card berth. That's How about that? That's, that's bold and good. I like it. No one's going to remember this, so I can say it. Right, yeah, exactly. We'll or I'll it. remind everybody of it if it does happen. And win-win. Uh, Barry, your turn? Well, Eric stole my Cole Hamels to the Red Sox. <laughs> um, how about Yasiel Puig gets traded? Oh, I'm like way off the board. That's, that's a, I'm like way off the board. That's a good one. I like that a lot. I like that one a lot. That's a good one. I don't know that I really believe that, but I'll shoot <laughs> for the moon. But I think that I think there's a chance that it maybe could possibly blah 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 happen. But man, that would definitely shake uh, shake things up. That's for sure. They seem to be disgruntled with him. I don't really know why. I think he's great, but we'll take him. <laughs> I didn't. You know, I didn't seem to love his body actions the other night. I, w- I went to the game Friday night when they were playing the Nationals, and I don't know. He seems just a little, I don't know, lethargic, goofy. I, I don't know. I mean. I don't know. Like I say, yeah, he's still I, a kid. People forget that, and that is very true. And he's a very, very good baseball player that hasn't hit his stride that yet this year either. So, all right, guys. Well, um, going a little shorter than normal, but I think this is a good time to try to wrap up this week. Barry, uh, maybe mention uh, yourself on Twitter where they can find your work. Um, you know, anything you want to share? Um, well, you can find my very infrequent. Very amateurish writing at Banish to the Pen. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Gilp Dog. That's T A W G. I don't really tweet a lot. I mostly just retweet things I find interesting. So don't really even bother to follow me, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, disagree. I definitely think that you're doing some good work at Banish to the Pen, and uh, your recent article was very solid. So keep Appreciate up the good that. work. Uh, Appreciate that. All right, Eric, kind of the same question where everybody can find you and who wins tonight, Lesnar or Rollins? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eric D, as in Desclafani, uh, Roseberry, uh, Eric D. Roseberry. Uh, I'd love to connect there. As Barry said, I write for Banish to the Pen. I uh, have done some stuff with the Marlins recently where I looked back at their first half of the season. I visited Marlins Park, so I talked about that. Uh, so, yeah, I'd love to connect with whoever. And then uh, tonight, I think we get – a swerve ending tonight. I don't think either of them is getting out of there with the W. We're going to have the rematch at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think that's probably correct as well. So, all right, guys. Um, definitely a great week. Thanks for joining me. This was a really good uh, episode. I really enjoyed kind of learning about the Reds and getting kind of a little bit of a closer, I don't know, feel for what's going to happen with them the next two weeks. So uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, Barry, great debut. I hope to have you back on the show very soon. And Eric, uh, Hopefully the same thing. Have you back on, and maybe we can do another wrestling podcast here somewhere down the road. Sure. Thanks, Ryan. Sure. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, thank you, guys. And that was episode 27 of the Banished to the Pen podcast with Barry Gilpin and Eric Roseberry. Uh, thanks to those guys for coming on the show. Uh, definitely very knowledgeable Reds fans, and uh, both are doing some really good work at Banished to the Pen on the writing side. So uh, check them out, like uh, you, you know everybody. And this is be a good time to just thank everybody again, uh, real quickly. Uh, all the writers, the editors, technical staff, contributors, everybody uh, who works for Banished to the Pen. We have a lot of people working very hard and doing a lot of work, and 
publishing on every on an everyday basis and doing some great work. So uh, definitely check it out at banishedtothepen.com. And thanks to everybody who's working so hard. This episode is a wrap. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan, at NatsGM.com on Twitter, reminding you, be nice to your fellow listeners. <laughs>